So that lunch, if you can make it, that's going to be an incredible time. And I know the video was really, really hard to hear, especially the first little bit. Did, did any of you guys catch that first part at all? So we may come back and play that another time, Caroline, since we couldn't hear it at the beginning. That makes it difficult to communicate. Um, and so, but on September 28th, is going to be a, a really great time. Visit our website, ridgedalebaptist.org slash events to sign up for that lunch. Um, and everything is going to go to help support the, the Haven, which is going to be our, um, our transition house for those that are in foster care, as, as Caroline did mention. And so if you have your copy of God's Word today, we are finishing Hebrews chapter 11. And so next week we will jump into 2 Timothy. But this morning, um, before you turn there, actually just uh, what you, I would rather you do is we're not going to approach first, uh, Hebrews 11 until the very end of service. So look at 1 Samuel, and we're going to be looking at 1 Samuel chapter 3 for the majority of our time today. And we're looking at the idea as we look at Samuel's life, we're looking at this concept of faith to hear or faith to listen to God and the faith that it takes to obey God when we correctly understand what God is, is calling us to do. And this is a, an interesting sermon. I, as, I, as I processed it, one of the times that I remembered the importance of being actually able to hear something is um, this week I, I thought about the time that Lauren and I were engaged and kind of in the process of doing all this, Lauren was getting ready to run a half marathon and I remember her asking me to make her a playlist. This is before like Spotify was really an important thing or Apple Music was really a thing and it was really easy. So kids, back in the day, you had to buy these things, um, either CDs or you had to buy these individual files on iTunes. And it was 99 cents or $1.29 cents and they just ripped you off so good every single time, and it was ridiculous. But I still basically own those files today. But that was in a time when I was like, okay, I'm gonna make this great playlist. Now what I heard was her say, I want you to make, me, uh, make us a great wedding playlist. And I was like, okay, I can do that. Like, it's gonna be fun, this is gonna be great. Even, it, I thought it was kind of odd because we weren't gonna be dancing. We got married in a Baptist church. So they were like, no. And, and so like, this is, no. Um, so basically, I'm like, I'll do it. I mean, we're, it's going to be filled with love songs. It's going to be great. There, there will be some jams in there and that kind of stuff. But it, it was mostly like, you know, love ballads and that kind of stuff. And so I create this, I curate this playlist based on all the, the couple of thousand songs that I personally owned. And so I'm like, okay, this is, I got it down to about two and a half, three hours worth of, of really, really good music. The best of the best from basically the 60s forward. And then I get to the point where I basically present this to her and she was like, huh, thank you so much for doing this. But I actually asked for a running playlist. And I was like, well, <laughs> I'm sure glad I spent that time curating a wedding playlist. And thankfully enough of the songs were upbeat enough that it worked for, for both. But it's important to be able to understand and to, to clearly hear and understand what the actual mission is, right? 
This, the same is true in our spiritual lives. We want to hear from God. Most of us have a desire to hear from God, but sometimes we don't know what voice to listen to or how to correctly discern what voice is God's voice and what direction he's leading and those types of things. Well, Samuel has a similar experience in 1 Samuel chapter 3. So I, I want us to ask the question today, what does faith look like when God is clearly heard? What does he call us to do when God's will and God's voice is very, very clear to us? And then what does it look like? What does faith look like when God's voice is much harder to discern, much harder to hear, when he, when he kind of seems silent? And if we're honest, the vast majority of our time and our space and our lives can, can be encapsulated in that second category. And so I want us to talk about these things. Now, who is Samuel? Before we jump into 1 Samuel, I want to kind of give you an idea of who Samuel is. So Samuel is the last of the judges, of the Old Testament judges, and the first of the Old Testament prophets. So he's kind of this crossover guy that both acted as kind of a final judge of Israel, but also the first of the prophets that we'll, you know, that we'll get used to um, for, you know, of all kinds of different people. People like Micah and Malachi and Isaiah and Jeremiah would follow in the lineage of, of Samuel. Now, he, he would live faithfully. He would live a pretty faithful life. He would warn the people of what the king would do to their lives if Israel chose for themselves to do a king. Like, hey, we want it. And he said, well, I'm going to warn you. He's going to take things from you. And, and so he warns them. He would find and protect David. He would encourage his people at the end of his life in 1 Samuel chapter 12 to stay faithful to the Lord. Now, in difference to, um, in comparison to all the other people that we've looked at in the, the past few chapters, the difference between some Samuel and somebody like David or Jephthah or Gideon, Samuel didn't have a specific opponent. Right, So David fought the Amalekites and he fought the Philistines. Gideon would fight his battles versus uh, this certain group of people. For Samuel, as, as, a, as a judge and a prophet, his battle, much like the other prophets, would be with his own people. He would have to speak hard truths to the people that he was born into. So his severest opponents weren't the Philistines or the Amorites or the Ammonites, but his own people. So he had to stand up and live in faith in a polluted society where his people didn't really want to hear the messages that he was giving to them. You would imagine how difficult that would be. So let's look at 1 Samuel chapter 3, and I'm going to just read something very briefly before that. It's actually from 2 Samuel, Samuel chapter 2, and it begins in verse 18. And when you get there, say word. Samuel was ministering before the Lord, a boy clothed with a linen ephod. And his mother used to make for him a little robe and take it to him each year when she went up with her husband to offer the yearly sacrifice. So basically Samuel was a miracle baby and he was offered to the Lord by Samuel's mom. 
And so he's kind of this apprentice priest type figure who's in the Lord's service even at an incredibly young age. So now let's jump down to chapter 3, verse 1. Now the boy Samuel was ministering to the Lord in the presence of Eli. And the word of the Lord was rare in those days. There was no frequent vision. At that time, Eli, whose eyesight had begun to grow dim so they could not see, was lying down in his own place. That's important to note. The lamp of God had not yet gone out, and Samuel was lying down where? He was in a different place than Eli. Samuel was lying down in the temple of the Lord where the ark of God was. Then the Lord called Samuel, and he said, Here I am. So, as we look at this idea of, of Samuel, I'm going to ask us three questions that kind of is going to move our, our time along today. And the first question is this, how does God speak to us today? We're going to see in, in the, this first Samuel chapter three, we're going to see God speaking very clearly to Samuel, but in a way that he is totally unfamiliar with and not just unfamiliar with to him, but unfamiliar to all of his people. This was not something it says. The text says that the Lord's speaking was incredibly rare in those days for any number of reasons, most of which most likely was the fact that they were living in degenerate sin. They were living in a way that dishonored God as evidenced by the fact that they basically said, we want a king for us, for our own people, and they don't really, and Samuel pleased with them. Guys, like God has, has, God himself is your king. He is the one that takes care of you. And they're like, no, we want someone made kind of in our image. So they get Saul, this tall and handsome guy that basically followed his own desires. So God would call up this really, really young guy named Samuel. Now, this was at, a really interesting time. It was very, very clearly at night, right? It noticed that there are three things kind of timing it. The first thing is Eli is basically at his own residence. Samuel is in the temple. So basically in the place in the ark where uh, the presence of God was. And the third thing that we note is that the lamp was still on. Now, that seemingly is insignificant, but it at least tells us around the time this happened. So they would light this lamp outside the Holy of Holies at uh, basically at dusk, and it would burn all the way until dawn. And, and so it was, it, was, it was a significant portion. So we know that the lamp still being on meant that this most likely was fairly early in the morning. So this would have been, you know, 2, 3 a.m., something like that. And so as you would imagine, Samuel would have been startled as a voice cries out, Samuel. And that's what we begin to see in uh, 1 Samuel chapter 3, verse 4. So go back and, and look there as, as we look at what begins to happen. Then the Lord called Samuel and he said, here I am. So Samuel's like, okay, he's startled. Maybe he was asleep. Maybe he was awake. And he says, here I am. And, he, and so he runs to Eli and he says, here I am, for you called me. But Eli said, I did not call. Lie down again. So he went and laid down. And the Lord called again, Samuel. 
And Samuel arose and went to Eli and said, here I am for you called me. But he said, no, I did not call you my son, lie down again. Now Samuel, and this is the reason I think it's important. Now Samuel did not yet know the Lord and the word of the Lord had not yet been revealed to him. So meaning this was an unfamiliar voice. This was someone that he wasn't intimate with yet. So how does, let's go back to the main question. How does God speak to us today? How many of you have ever, ever audibly heard God say something directly to you? And not like impression on your heart or your spirit, but like in the sky, kind of like Jesus was Saul, say, yo, I'm talking to you, Alan. Has anybody ever done that? No, probably not. So what do we do with the fact that God audibly speaks to Samuel and that he doesn't most of the time, doesn't mean he can't, but he doesn't choose to speak audibly to us. So how, like, how do we carry that over into our lives? I think that's an important question, right? That doesn't mean we can't hear from God. It doesn't mean that we don't and can't hear from God at all. But I, I think it's important for us to, to know as, as progressive, as, as the revelation of God progresses throughout in different um, salvi salvific times, how does God continue to speak? We actually go to the very first two verses of Hebrews to begin looking at this. Hebrews 1, 1 through 2. The Bible tells us how we hear from God. Long ago, it says, and it'll be on your screen, at many times and in many ways, God spoke to our fathers, mean the Israelites, by the prophets. And in these last days, he has spoken to us by his son, meaning Jesus, whom he appointed the heir of all things, through whom he also created the world. So before the incarnation, when Jesus came to live among us, God spoke through the prophets. We heard from God through men like Moses and Isaiah and Ezekiel and Malachi and other prophets. And so they would hear these messages from God and then relay them to the people of God. And often their words would be written down in a, a perfect way in order to encapsulate those things for us even today so that we could glean from it so that we would always know his law. We would be able to understand his redemptive plan. We would see how he's worked faithfully over thousands and thousands of years. Now there were times that God spoke directly to people. That happens a lot in the Old Testament, but not as much maybe as you may think. He would speak directly to people like Abraham. He would speak directly to someone like Moses. He would speak directly to someone like Joshua. And ultimately, he, he would speak directly to someone like Samuel. Jacob would hear from God and he would ultimately wrestle with God, but he heard through dreams. There were others like Joseph that would be able to hear from God and interpret dreams. Ezekiel and John in the New Testament would have visions. But how is God desiring to speak to us today? I want you to think about it in this way. Out of all the faithful Old Testament saints, we're looking at the by far and away the most well-known, right? That would be like of, 
uh, of all the, all the people that truly believed and followed God, we're reading the accounts of maybe 0.2%. And so over 4,000 years with however many millions of faithful followers of Yahweh there were, we're reading the account of, of a very, very, very small select few who God chose to reveal himself to in a very special way. And so you don't have to feel crazy about the fact that God has not chosen to speak audibly to you like he did Paul or he did uh, you know, other people like Moses or Abraham. So how does, again, I ask, how does God choose to speak to us? They, just as we are, hear from God through his revealed word. Through his revealed word, we read God's written and inspired word and through his spirit into our spirit, he speaks to us in how we are to live our lives today. The Bible is God's chosen mouthpiece and he speaks that into our hearts. And so we have to remember that all of these special revelations occurred very sparingly over the history of about 4,000 years. That adds context to all of this. And Jesus Christ was the pinnacle of God's revelation. He fully and entirely revealed himself in Jesus Christ. Jesus is God's final word to us. And so in the Bible is Jesus' words recorded for us. And when Jesus ascended back to the Father, who did he put in place? The apostles and the prophets. And he said specifically that apostles and prophets, you guys are going to be told things and you're going to speak specific things that will then be recorded that are directly from me. And so under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, these men were authorized by God to speak very specific truths. And so we now hear from God through his written word. So how do we put ourselves in a position to hear from God? The first thing that we see from Samuel is that we must be in a place where we acknowledge and pursue him. Again, where was Samuel as opposed to Eli? He was in the temple. He was at the place where God resided. Now, God chooses to reside in our hearts, but he has chosen to speak through his word. And so when we are expecting and desiring to hear from God, there's no other place for us to be than with our Bibles open. And with, uh, with the desire and acknowledgement, God, I want you to speak. You have spoken. Now, please speak to me today. And a desire to pursue him in a way that otherwise our flesh wouldn't desire. So the first way we hear from God today is through his word. The Bible is God's word and it contains everything that we need to know in order to be saved and to live a faithful, holy Christian life. Now there are some things that in your minds you're like, man, God doesn't speak to this. He doesn't speak in the Bible about his desire may be for you to be a plumber or for you to go to UTC or for you to do any number of things, right? 
And so those are the things most of the time when we're like, man, God feels really, really silent. When in fact, God has spoken extensively on really, really, really important things. And so we, we get really wrapped up in the smaller details of our lives, which are often very important to us. But what we shouldn't do is expect or demand some new revelation from God. Because that would say that Jesus and the word is not sufficient, which it is. So rather, God speaks to us through, as Ephesians 6 says, the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. So why does God appear to be hidden sometimes? Habakkuk, I think, says this really, really well. Habakkuk 2.4 talks about the fact that God sometimes is hidden because the just will live by what? By faith. That in the moments where it feels difficult and you feel like God is, is silent, that he desires for us to live and, and trust him even in those details when we don't have it all figured out. God doesn't give us this continual chain of miraculous signs and he never has in fact the one time in scripture that he speaks to Elijah and says that he would speak in a still small voice the the reason he does that is because he's spoken to and through Elijah in what ways huge extravagant ways right like he calls down fire to to just consume the Baals and their worship. And it's like, it's very clearly like this is, this is the Yahweh. This is God, the one that speaks, the one who lives. But he wanted Elijah to know and he wants us to know that God doesn't do that all the time. But how else does God choose to speak? He also chooses to speak through events and circumstances in our lives. God teaches us, as we see in the New Testament, he teaches us through different events. That's one of the reasons why Romans 8.28 says that everything is working to the good for those that are called according to his purpose. He reveals things to us through these events for our good. And the final way that God chooses to speak to us is through his people. He chooses to speak through his people, as we will actually see in the rest of this chapter. So look with me again at verse 8. So twice now, God has called Samuel. Twice, Samuel mistakens that voice for Eli calling him, his mentor. And so he runs and gets him. And twice, Eli's like, no, that's not me. But Eli doesn't even realize that it's God speaking to him. So verse 8, we get a little bit more clarity. And the Lord called Samuel again the third time. And he arose and went to Eli and said, here I am, for you called me. I'm sure at this point, Eli's just like, bro, I'm trying to sleep. Stop it. Then Eli, finally, God gave him some insight that the Lord was calling the boy, that God himself was doing it. Therefore, Eli said to Samuel, go lie down, and if he calls you, you shall say, and this is a prayer that I think we all need to pray, speak, Lord, for your servant hears. You want to hear God speak in his word, say it, pray it. Speak, Lord, for, for your servant is listening. I'm listening 
to you. So Samuel went and lay down in his place. And the Lord came and stood. Whoa, like that's a big deal. So God came and, and in some way stood there calling as at other times, Samuel, Samuel. This time he calls him twice to make sure that he understands who this is for emphasis. And Samuel said, speak for your servant hears. Then the Lord said to Samuel, behold, I'm about to do a thing in Israel at which the two ears of everyone who hears it will tingle. On that day, I will fulfill against Eli all that I have spoken concerning his house and from beginning to end. And I declare to him that I'm about to punish his house forever for the iniquity that he knew because his sons were blaspheming God and he did not restrain them. Therefore, I swear to the house of Eli that the iniquity of Eli's house shall not be atoned for by sacrifice or offering forever. Woof. So he heard him, but it wasn't a message that was really enjoyable to hear by any sense. And as we'll talk about in just a moment, it's not one that was easy to obey. But the question that, that I want to, to pose secondly is, how does God speak to us today? And now, how do we wisely discern his voice? How do we wisely discern God's voice versus all the other voices that crowd our minds and our hearts? That's hard, right? We have a lot of, of voices in our lives. You can just look at the Tide Pod Challenge and seeing how many people decided to do that, that that was a good idea to see how many influences we're all under, right? And how many people really have our ear. So after having three different occasions in which God would call Samuel and Samuel didn't know who it was because he didn't know the voice of God yet, right? That's the reason he didn't know who it was. He didn't know the voice of God. He needed someone to help him to begin to discern that. And so Eli, his mentor said, okay, say this, speak, Lord, for your servant is hearing. Just like us, you and I need help discerning the voice of God, who this voice is and how he speaks. We all need to help each other hear and discern God's voice. Eli helped him and you and I need people in our lives to help us. But we must be in a position first to listen. We must be in a first in a position to listen. Notice both when God came to him and where he came to him. When it was in the stillness of night. It wasn't in the hustle and bustle of his daytime duties. It wasn't while he was thinking about the, the grocery store run that he had to make, that he had to get his kids to the ball game, that, it, that he had to do this and this and this and this and this and this and this. No, 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 no. It happened when there was stillness. Not that God can't and sometimes doesn't choose to speak to us very clearly in the midst of the hustle and bustle, but for the most part, he wants us and desires for us to slow down and to be able to say, speak, Lord, because I'm, I'm truly listening now. I'm not distracted. I, I don't have Instagram open. I don't have the TV on. Apple Music is turned off. Lord, I'm listening. 
And so Samuel was also in the presence of God as he was in the temple. And we've talked about that a little bit already. But we must be in a position first to listen and to be able to discern. Until we're in that position, then we most likely will not hear his voice. But not only that, we must be in a position to test his voice. 1 John 4 and 1 Thessalonians 5 tells us specifically to test the spirits, to test the messages that we hear. That everything that we consume, we should be thinking and testing, okay, is this good or is this false? Is this going to bear good fruit in my life or is this not going to? In fact, first, I'm going to read 1 Thessalonians 5, 20 through 22. Paul says, do not despise prophecies, but test, what? Test everything. So there were people that, that were prophesying that things would occur. But he's saying, listen, you need to test it. You need to test what I say. Is it truly what God's word says? Hold fast, he says, to what is good and abstain from every form of evil. So how do we do that? The first thing that we must do is we must know what the truth is. Right? He says, hold fast to what is good. How do we know what is good? Because we know what the truth is. How do we discern the voice of God? Well, we know that God doesn't lie. So we know that God will tell us the truth. Is there something that goes against his word? Well, we know that that's not God's voice. We believe, oh man, I feel really called to, to marry this unbeliever. But God's word very clearly says that we should be equally yoked. Right? And he says, so don't marry the unbeliever because that's not some special revelation. That's your flesh saying, I'm going to do what I want to do and I'm going to say that God blesses it. No, 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 that's, that's not how this works, right? You're, you're not going to say, well, man, I feel like God is, is, is calling us to, to live together before marriage. And then, and then you see how, how God's word says, abstain from every form of, of evil, Make sure, beloved, to, to the fact that sexual purity is what God desires. It is God's will for you. And so, okay, well, maybe I choose, should not do that. That's a different voice than God's voice. Now, not everything is a black and white issue like that. And so what do we begin to, how do we begin to go down? So if we know the truth, the second thing that we need to know is we need to, we need to spot the fruit. Spot the fruit. So if there are other people that are going down this path, what's the fruit of their lives look like? Is it more godly or is it less godly? The third thing is we need to know who it benefits. Who does it benefit for you listening to whichever voice it is. Who does it benefit? Does it, if, for, if it's someone else, if it's a false teacher, it's always going to benefit them. If it's an Instagram influencer, guess who that's gonna benefit if you listen to their voice? It's going to pad their pocket is what it is exactly going to do. Know and be able to spot in your life, when you feel like, okay, God, what, what are you calling me to do? 
figure out when you start getting multiple opinions and voices and those types of things, discerning God's voice means knowing who it benefits. Does it glorify God? Does it make me look good? Does it make the other person look good? The fourth thing is you, be, you need to know your own desires. You need to be honest about what your own desires are. We can often fool ourselves into believing that it's God's voice when it's really just our flesh speaking. Right? So know what you're, like, actually be able to say, I want this. I really want this job. And that's okay to say that. If you're thinking, like, I really, really would love to have this job. I think it, it lines up with what God wants for, for me. Like, it's, it's not going to go against anything that's re- truly and very clearly revealed in his word. I'm not doing anything ethically irresponsible. I'm not harming anyone in the doing of this or anything like that. I'm not leading to people being further in addiction or anything like that. I'm not harming myself by putting myself in in situations where I will fail. So I want that job. Okay, it's okay to admit that. But you have to be willing to at least say, God, I really want this job. If you don't want me to have it, then maybe change what my desires truly are. Right? But be able to spot the difference between your own desires and maybe God's desires. And then the fifth thing is is no wisdom. What do we do when everything seems to line up and and it's two good things and we, we just don't know what to do? God doesn't seem to be leaving an impression on us and we've pursued him and we've acknowledged him and you're just like, okay, Lord, at that point, you know, as you're wise about it and continually praying to the Lord, ultimately a matter of faith can be you making a decision and saying, God, I know you are for me and I know that you're going to bless me because either one of these things, whether I choose to stay here or I choose to go to this school, I feel like I'm, I'm okay regardless. I'm doing the things, I'm pursuing the things I ought to pursue. Then beloved, feel the freedom just to make a decision. It's okay. It's okay to do that. You're not saying that one thing was very clearly God's will and one thing is so outside of God's will. If it's not revealed in scripture as something that is totally off the wall or sinful and it's not in, uh, it's not other people around your circle aren't saying, well, this is a very bad idea. And the people of God and like that you love aren't saying this is a horrible idea. You definitely should do this. And God's not very impressed pushing on your heart then it's, you should feel the freedom to make that decision for the glory of God. And, and it's okay. You have the permission to do that. And that's what we see, we see Samuel begin to do. That's how we test spirits. That's how we begin to discern God's voice. He spoke clearly to Samuel, but he, it took help understanding his voice. And so Samuel now knew what he needed to do. So then it comes to the time that it's time to put up or shut up, basically. So the third question is, how do we obey his voice in faith? How do we obey his voice in faith? Look at verses 15 through 21 as we close. Samuel lay until morning, 
So he didn't immediately get up because, you know, he uses wisdom and he's, he kind of mulls over this and probably prays through it. Then he opened the doors of the house of the Lord and Samuel was afraid. Of course he was because his first prophecy was to rail against his, his mentor and to say, you and your family are horrible and you're cursed and God's going to get rid of you all. Now imagine having to go tell your boss that. Some of you probably would really enjoy it, so you definitely shouldn't do that. But for those that just, just feel the weight, no wonder he's afraid of doing this. But Eli says, called Samuel and said, Samuel, my son. And he said, here I am. And Eli said, what was it that he told you? Do not hide it from me. May God do so to you and more. Also, if you hide anything from me, all that he told you. So Samuel told him everything and hid nothing from him. And he said, it is the Lord, let him do what seems good to him. And Samuel grew and the Lord was with him and let none of his words fall to the ground. And all Israel from Dan to Beersheba knew that Samuel was established as a prophet of the Lord. And the Lord appeared again at Shiloh for the Lord revealed himself to Samuel at Shiloh by the word of the Lord. The chapter begins saying that the word of the Lord was incredibly rare. But for the person of God that truly desires to listen, God speaks openly to him. And it was no longer rare. And so, but he only made himself, God only gave him more when what? He chose to obey the first thing. So what is God calling you to obey in faith? Samuel has to go and tell the prophecy to Eli. And that's, I'm sure, up to that point in his life, by far and away, the most difficult thing that he has done. Now, faith for others in the Old Testament looks different, right? Look at, now we're going to jump back into Hebrews 11 and finish there. Because I want you to know, putting faith into action doesn't look, doesn't look exactly the same for all of us, just as it doesn't look the same for these people. 11.32, and what more shall I say? For time would fail me to tell of Gideon and Barak, Samson, Jephthah, of David and Samuel, and the prophets who through faith conquered kingdoms, enforced justice, obtained promises, stopped the mouth of lions, quenched the power of fire, escaped the edge of the sword, and were made strong out of weakness, became mighty in war, and put foreign armies to flight. Women received back their dead through Elijah. By faith, they were able to heal. Some were tortured, refusing to accept release so that they might rise again a better life. Others suffered mocking and flogging, even chains and imprisonment. They were stoned, they were sawn in two, they were killed with the sword. They went about in skins of sheep and goats, destitute, afflicted, mistreated, of whom the world was not worthy, wandering about in the deserts and mountains and in dens and caves of the earth. And all these, though commended through their faith, did not receive what was promised, since God has provided something better for us, that apart from us they should not be made perfect. So their faith looked very different. It meant that for some of them, that they had to stand tall against King Nebuchadnezzar, that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego would not bow the knee and would be thrown in the furnace and God would provide for them. 
For others, it meant that, that they continued to preach the gospel even when others told them not to do that. And it meant that their faith led them to death. I don't know what God's calling you to do, but I know that through this, by hearing his voice, discerning his voice, and then obeying his voice, he fully will give himself more to you because he does it all throughout the scriptures. So I ask in this moment as we pray and then sing, and I know I've gone way, way over today, but I think it's been worth it because this is really important stuff, that, that you ask, God, what are you calling me to do? And give me the strength and courage to obey. Let's pray. God, I thank you that you do speak to us and that we can hear from you and we do hear from you in your word. Holy Spirit, impress upon us ways that you desire for us to, to change, Think places you want us to go. Lord, faith may be sharing the gospel with our roommate. It may be going and taking a meal to a, a coworker, or it, it may mean asking forgiveness to your kids for things that you've said that were said that were, that that were not good, that were not godly. Lord, it, it could be any number of things that you're pressing on our hearts now. It could be moving out of a boyfriend's apartment. It could be choosing to ask God for your strength to help separate from sexual sin. Lord, I just pray that you will give us wisdom. Help us to discern and hear your voice. I thank you, God, that you speak to us. And I thank you that by your spirit, we can understand you. Help us to obey you in faith. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.